This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. Now, for some of you who may be new to this podcast, it's all about a journey. We're all on a journey from the day we are conceived until the day, well, we won't go into that day. But a lot of things happen to us, and when we are going on this journey, Oftentimes, it's very similar to somebody else's, and we hope that through these conversations, we can all help each other out just a little bit by realizing we are not alone. So today I have Bree Tart. Oh, I knew I was going to mess it up, Bree. Go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. It's Tartaglione. Tartaglione. And Bree also has a podcast, but she has a very... Um, in intense, massive background as I look at her website, and her website will be in the show notes. So, Brie, welcome to Avoid the Maze, and give us a little bit of background. Who, who really are you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on the show, and I'm, I'm really excited to uh, chat with you and share a little bit of my journey. Um, so I am, was born and raised in Rhode Island. Uh, so I grew up in a very small state, wanted to go to a big city after that. Um, I went to undergrad in Boston, was there for about six years and then made my way to New York for grad school, which is where I reside now, New York city. Um, so in grad school, what I did was I, uh, went to Columbia university and I got my master's in, um, school and psychological counseling. So I am a certified school counselor and a mental health counselor, but, um, that was kind of just the root of everything else for me. So I do have a deep passion, uh, for psychology, um, working in a therapeutic space with others. Um, but that, that sort of generally kind of started the rest of my journey. So that, that would be the foundation of who Brie is, but then we could go into more detail about other sure. things. Well, and the interesting part is, as I look over your website, um, even with those deep roots to psychology, um, you do a lot of coaching as well. And there is a difference between coaching and counseling. Uh, and if you're not aware of that, I recommend that you listen a little bit more closely to it. Uh, because we also do a show uh, on personal coaching. And one of the things I love about personal coaching is that you as the individual who are being coached, you make those decisions. It comes from deep inside of you. And it's uh, not somebody else telling you what you need to change. So I'm going to go back a little bit because you talked about um, school counseling. And mm -hmm. uh, I know when I was growing up, school counselors uh, didn't, didn't have to do too much. Or if they did a lot back then, nobody really knew about it. But today, school counselors have a lot on their plate. Um, and parents are expecting the schools and the counselors to raise their kids. So what was that like for you when you were training and uh, getting out there? 
Yeah. So, um, I mean, school counseling is, it's so interesting because it's one of those places that, like you said, you know, if you didn't, if you didn't utilize your counselor, or if you didn't even know that they existed, which I can be frank as well. And I had a similar experience growing up where, you know, I, I didn't really know my counselor. They didn't know me and I didn't feel like they were much help. But, um, what I realized is that, Um, You know, I had this love for psychology and I kind of just ended up working in an education setting. And that's really how the two of those pieces combined into school counseling. But I realized that I really enjoyed the pieces of social emotional learning. Um, So those those things that a lot of us say, oh, we were never taught this in school. That's actually what the counselor gets to do if you have access to the counselor. So um, specifically being a counselor in a middle school and in middle school settings, um, I found that that social emotional learning is incredibly important at that time because as a middle schooler that's really think about it as you know the central place where you're you're becoming going from a child to an adolescent right there's a lot of those changes happening both both physically psychologically socially and emotionally so the counselor really gets to help the student navigate that at the beginning of those all of those changing places in their journey, um, that's where the middle school counselor at least comes in. And so, um, but, you know, working in a school and on school grounds, um, you definitely have to make your presence known and also uh, do a really good job with rapport building because often it is on the student to seek out the counselor if they need that support. So um, it definitely, it goes both ways because I need to make myself known so they know I am here for that type of support, the non-academic support. Um, You know, the really scary things that you wish you had someone to talk to, but you don't want it to be your parents necessarily, but you know you need an adult. Um, That's, that's, you know, how I try to make myself known. But again, it does have to be uh, mutual because it's not like, my students have a counseling class that they come to me and I get to offer that social emotional learning. So rapport building is incredibly important, uh, both in the counseling community and in the coaching capacity as well. So I'm hoping that our listeners, you know, really get this message that our children, especially at that middle school age, and um, I realize this more with my younger son, who is now a young adult, that emotional learning, uh, sometimes parents just assume, well, our kids will get there. Okay. Mm -hmm. They, they can absorb it. And the reality of it is that so many don't, um, they're so they're trying so hard to be part of this massive group of people that, um, they don't stop and think and, middle schoolers tend not to think. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they finally get to high school and college and they go, wait a second, like you said, I never learned this before. Well, you were being taught it, but you weren't absorbing it. And, uh, you know, that's when coaching really becomes important for young adults and older adults to say, hey, wait a second, you know, where is it that I really want to be? Not where I have to be, where is it I want to be? So let's talk about that a little bit. So 
when you were going to college, what, what was your first thought when you were taking all these courses? Did you really know who you wanted Brie to be? You are tapping into something that's so important. I mean, and I love how you're kind of uh, fusing the counseling space and the coaching space, because it's true that these emotional things that we sort of expect to learn a lot of times we'll get into adulthood and realize that maybe we didn't realize or learn those tools or utilize those tools um, in, in a way that is best fit for what we need. So um, I love how you kind of fuse that all together. but. Um, in, uh, so when I was in college and trying to, you know, trying to figure out, well, in, in grad school, um, getting my degree in counseling, I actually didn't at the time really have any idea who, uh, this, this Brie person was, um, it wasn't that I didn't get there, you know, as, as Brie or Brianna is my full name. Um, but counts, going through a counseling program is so interesting because there's this duality where um, you're learning how to really tap into others and figure out how to help others through all these different, you know, psychological theories and practices. And, you know, there are so many things that you learn that you can use in a counseling practice. But the duality is that as it's happening, you're also learning new things about yourself. Because the first person that, you know, you're really going to, once you start learning about all these things, the first thing you're going to do is internalize them and wonder, okay, has this been something that, you know, I've dealt with, or might this therapeutic practice work for me? And, you know, that's kind of, um, and again, that, that fuses into coaching and we can go into that, but, um, you know, how things work for us, we have the easiest way to explain how they might work for others. So, um, there is definitely that interesting piece there that involves coaching specifically, but, um, I really started to learn who Brie was in grad school. Um, and I went through some, some pretty, crazy transformational processes, uh, both during that time and actually about one year later, um, I had a pretty uh, major life-changing moment that really sort of took everything that I learned as a counselor and um, basically transformed into everything that I'm doing today. So um, if, if we want to talk about that, I can, or if we want to go to another place, I can too, but that's definitely a story, uh, a little bit of a lengthier story to talk about. Well, and that is part of the journey. And I'm, I'm really interested in that because so many of us, we think that there's a certain age where we're supposed to identify who we are okay. and sort of like go forward. That's who we are. We're not going to change. You know, we we may have an extra birthday or two, uh, our hair color may change, whatever. But what we're doing is what we're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. And I remember that when, uh, you know, I got married uh, to my first husband, my thought was I'm getting married. Okay. And uh, I'm going to help put him through school. And then we'll have a family. And there was this very linear thought pattern. And 
I really wasn't thinking about who I was. It was this, this family unit. And uh, I started realizing that um, something was changing. You know, what I thought I was, who I was, where I was going um, is not the path I'm on. And so I saw these detours, but oftentimes I was afraid of taking the detours. It sounds like when you saw the detours, you weren't as afraid. You know, um, again, you touch on so many things. I, you know, that, that singular linear path that we all so often put ourselves on, you know, without, without maybe even knowing how to drive yet, metaphorically speaking, (laughs) you know, but we, we just see this one track that maybe everyone else around us has, you know, conditioned us to think about or move forward in. And that seems like the path forward. So um, I think what you're saying you went through is so similar to so many people, because uh, I would say similarly, I was on this one track and I definitely deviated and learned some things about myself along the way. But I would say the detour in my track wasn't necessarily initially by choice. It was actually um, a very, a very quick and sudden thing that happened to me, um, which is really the story that we're talking about here. So um, about two, two years ago, uh, actually at the very, very, very beginning of COVID, um, as the world was was shutting down, essentially, um, my body started to shut down out of nowhere. And prior to, I would say I was at the peak of health for myself physically. I was really in a great routine, um, you know, always eating healthy, exercising daily. I mean, that was actually a huge part of my life was fitness and living a healthy lifestyle. So um, when, when you think that you're at the peak of health and then all of a sudden something shakes that up, it's definitely a crazy experience. But um, as, as the world shut down on March 17th, my body started shutting down too, really out of nowhere. Um, it was about a 24 hour process where I felt this uh, numbing sensation that grew through my body, starting with my toes. And I really actually felt it grow right up all the way through my abdomen, as well as surrounding um, just from the bottom of my neck up through my face and scalp. Um, An incredibly scary experience. At the time, I was 28 years old. um, And I was like, you know, I called up my parents really freaking out saying something's wrong. And I think I'm gonna go to the hospital. I don't know what's happening. Um, and sure enough, I got to the emergency room. I, you know, I, I took an Uber to the, to the emergency room. I thought that it was, you know, going to get me there faster. I don't know what I was thinking, but I took an Uber to the emergency room. And at that point it was, I was moments away from collapsing and I actually had to, um, hold on to the wall to walk myself to the desk. And all I could say was, um, my legs are about to collapse beneath me. And no sooner did I say it, did it happen? And I fell to the floor. Um, and then it was, uh, a pretty scary process from there. So for about 48 hours, um, the doctors just ran tests and tests and tests. Um, I had 
no sensation in the parts of my bodies that I just explained. So um, really the only thing that I was able to move at that point in time were uh, my arms. Um, Wow. Yeah. And that that lasted uh, for about the first five days. I was uh, completely paralyzed from the waist down and the neck up. Now at 28 years old, um, being in what in what I assume is paralysis at the time, sure. um, and the doctors aren't really able to give you much information beyond that. Some crazy things go through your head. I'm sure uh, they do. Yes. Um, and that was kind of this this moment for me that I had to realize, like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And where I am at now is the only place at this point that I know I might stay. I don't know that I will be able to regain sensation or regain mobility. I also don't even know what's happening. The doctors can't tell me. The diagnosis is not there. Um, So that was that sort of shaking myself, so to speak, and being like, Breathe. These are these are your cards. These are the cards that you were dealt, and you know there's my options are are limited. But I know from a counseling perspective that if I continue to shut down with whatever's shutting down with my body, nothing nothing is going to come out of that for me, except for a much darker place. And it's not that we can't grieve in those moments, but I just had this heightened understanding that I had learned from going through a, you know, counseling degree that me shutting down right now is, is not what I want to do to myself. And I realized I had that choice. Interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, yeah, it was really in that moment that, it, and this was just a couple of days, uh, luckily before I started regaining very, very minimal movement, you know, able to wiggle my toes and such. But um, I actually remember speaking because they have so many different therapies that come to you in the hospital, <laughs> right. especially when you don't know uh, what's next. You know, they, when they can't tell you what's next, when you don't know what's next, it's a very scary place to be regardless of my mindset. It's still very scary. Um, so I had every type of therapy from art therapy to horticulture therapy, to music therapy, to actual therapy. Um, and it, you know, all to try to sure bring me, bring me to a calming space and, you know, help me get in touch with, you know, just different places that might feel a little bit relieving or, you know, just find those, I guess, tap into the places outside of myself that are going to help me reconnect with what's going on within me. And I remember, um, you know, kind of bringing the moment full circle with the psychologist who I was speaking with. And, um, we, we were, you know, we had some connections with, um, us both being in therapeutic practices and such. And, um, she had asked me, 
uh, so often she was like, I feel like I can be more frank with you because you kind of understand the questions that I'm asking you maybe a little bit more and why I might be asking them. And she, she just asked me, frankly, she said, have you asked yourself why me? Uh, so she kind of just went there with me, which, which I respected her for. And we had built that relationship and, and I said, and I sort of told her the story that I just told you. And I said, I started to ask myself and then I caught it. And then instead of continuing to ask myself the question that I knew I would never get the answer to, I decided to take control of it and get, and give myself the answer. And the answer was because me. And, Interesting. Yes. and that, that was really that moment right there for me and kind of putting it out into the world, because again, this was at uh, the very beginning of the world shutting down and I couldn't have visitors either. So I was in the hospital for several weeks without a single person. So this therapist oh, was wonderful, wow. but yeah, that, that because me moment was, was really that moment that I, I reclaimed my power in whatever was happening to me. Um, and I would say that that was really where I switched courses, where my that one track that I was traveling down on that road, um, there to the left or the right, and then everything changed for me from there. So your answer to yourself was basically, um, you know, you were accepting the journey. Mm -hmm. and where that journey was going to take you and whatever power you had to even change the journey mm -hmm. uh, rather than being the victim of it and saying, like most of us do, um, and I think it's normal, you know, why me? You know, I was just, I just exercised and then I sat down and now I can barely move. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting how you tell that story because a couple of weeks ago, just out of the blue, I woke up in the middle of the night and my left hip was in pain to the point where I just couldn't move it. And more I tried to move, the pain went down my left leg and my leg was hot, couldn't stand on it. Um, and I just kept trying to find that comfortable position. And I finally woke my husband up and I said, there's something wrong. And um, I adore him tremendously, but whenever I don't feel well, it's always, well, do you want to go to the hospital? And it's like, I'm probably not going to wake you up in the middle of the night and tell you I'm in this much pain if I don't want, you know, somebody to get me some relief. But right. um, we bantered that back and forth. I ended up um, being taken to the hospital. Um, nobody could figure it out. I was there for about eight hours. And again, have they did every test. And almost like you, I wasn't lying there saying, why me? Mm -hmm. I was saying, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get relief. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to do it. Um, because for most of my life, I allowed myself to be that victim that you talked about. So that if anything changed on my path, why is this happening to me? Instead of saying, whoa, where can I go with this? Hey. So 
you were in the hospital during probably one of the worst times of our country's history. Um, and I'm sure uh, as great as your medical care was, uh, they had what they may have considered more important patients to take care of. Mm -hmm. um, but during this time, were you starting to get relief? Were you starting to get any answers? Yeah, so um, it did take it did take several days for them to give me uh, what I call a pseudo diagnosis. Okay. Um, uh, so what they they found is that I I have a rare medical condition um, that is considered acute. So um, I don't the lengthy, the lengthy name of the condition, uh, I, you know, I can share it, but yeah. I don't know that it's going to be, you know, it goes by ADEM, um, acute disseminated encephalomyelitis, uh, which basically means that the acute part, which I learned in the hospital means they think it's a one-time occurrence. They think that it's a rare condition, but it only happens once. So it's not, even though it's actually a cousin um, or similar to uh, MS, it's not, um, it's just a one-time thing with my body rather than a continuous uh, degeneration, so to okay. speak. Um, and what really this diagnosis said is that um, I did have, uh, I was sick the week before and my friends love to make the joke because at the time no one could get a COVID test, not even celebrities. And right. they had, <laughs> and they had actually in the hospital tested me three times, uh, all came back negative. However, again, since this was the beginning, we have, we have no idea. I might never know, but I did have a virus the day, uh, the week's the week prior. Okay. And this condition is typically onset by a virus or a vaccine, but I was not vaccinated right. by anything in the recent months. Um, so, and then what happens is my immune system, basically, rather than attacking the virus cells, it attacked the healthy cells, um, both in my brain and my spine. So once I found out more about it, uh, the, the pretty incredible part was that these, my immune system, um, it, and it, it basically could have attacked any of my healthy cells in my brain or my spine, really rendering any combination of horrifying things that could happen in our body. Um, and this, I, 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 I mean this in the most empowering way for me, but I had just lost mobility. I could have lost any one of my senses. I could have lost my cognition. I could have lost my ability to speak and communicate. I could have lost everything. And the only thing in that moment, and this was really the empowering thing was I lost mobility. I can still continue forward in many of the similar ways in my life, I just need to figure out this mobility thing, but I'll figure it, you know, it was like, I'll wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm breathing, I'm speaking, I'm thinking, I'm seeing, you know, and if, if walking is, is my biggest problem right now, I can get through this. 
And that, you know, so that was sort of a shining light for me. Super scary to think about that that happened. But again, it was sort of like that reframe for me that like, okay, mobility seems like it actually could be best case scenario and what could have been far, far worse or far more detrimental to life as I knew it. So what I hear you saying is that you have gratitude for the things that you do have Mm -hmm. rather than sitting back and, oh, woe is me. And again, so many of us, you know, especially if we're out on social media, we look at all the beautiful pictures, all the happy comments. And a lot of times we go, why isn't that me? Rather than thinking, wait a second, I do have this and I can take it forward. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you did. Now, do you think your training helped you with that? Or do you think that's just part of who you are? Um, Oh, excuse me. I think it's a little bit of both. Um, You know, and I I can say that I, I for sure think that my training expedited the process. Um, And I do believe just in general, um, I've always erred on the side of optimism in my life. And I think that has definitely um, a piece of who I am. But what I can say is that those two things, though they might have expedited my mentality going through it all, they're certainly not exclusive to me. And the mindset piece is something that we can all learn and, uh, you know, really kind of goes into the business that I've been building since, um, where the tagline actually is buy into the possibility of you. And that is something that I hold uh, so true to my heart, to my experience, and to what I truly believe uh, we all have inside of us is this, this possibility to be or become the people who we so yearn to be or become but there's this thing called the buy-in process. And it's one of the first things you're taught in counseling um, is that, you know, when you're with a client and, and this is maybe the, your first time or their first time in therapy, uh, there is this buy-in process. And it's something that's uh, a little bit scary and definitely um, confusing for people. It's almost like a placebo effect. Uh, but there is this process, this, this buy-in process that if you go into therapy, open to therapy, you're going to be able to experience benefits at least at a faster pace than how others might experience benefits in a therapeutic process. Um, so that buy-in process of this could help me or, you know, the buy into the possibility of you, you know, I can be this person that I want to become. It basically removes the blocks that we, like the barriers that we put there for ourselves. Um, And, you know, if I'm, if I'm running a race, I'm not going to start putting hills in front of me just because, 
for what reason, right. you know? And, and I think that it's one of those things that we, we don't realize that we do it. There's a lot of, um, you know, I call them non-conscious processes, sort of the unconscious and the subconscious doing, working their, you know, their web, you know, without our understanding of that. So um, sort of putting those barriers in front of ourselves can be, there's a lot of reasons for that. But that buy-in process to ourselves, that buy-in process to therapeutic processes or anything, um, you know, it's that openness, that willingness to understand that we can change and grow that actually promotes the ability to change and grow. Well, you know, I never thought of it as a buy-in process, but listening to you, you know, I'm realizing that um, when I decided to go back to school to complete my degree and get my master's. Um, it was, you know, at a point where all along I had been told, Karen, you don't have to do it. You struggled as a student. You know, why would you want to put yourself through that? And my youngest son was graduating high school. He was going to college. My husband had gone back to school for his master's. And I thought, wait a second, I'm not going to be here with just an associate's degree. No way. And I convinced myself I could do it. And I did it. And uh, I actually got through with honors, working full time and taking care of a family. But now I realize that was the buy-in because mm -hmm. I decided that I'm ready. I can do this now. And I think for our listeners to understand that sometimes we're not quite ready. Okay. So someone like yourself, Bree, could go into the hospital with the same condition and initially be um, so confused and upset about how it came on that they're not going to buy into all the therapies going on around them. Mm -hmm. But once you start to open your mind, become aware, um, so many changes happen. And I am seeing that in today's society, the more we become aware of our surroundings, the more we can accomplish. Right. Absolutely. And, and uh, you touched on something that I, that I think is so important and, and the, the counselor in me is coming out right now, but um, for everyone listening, for the listeners who might be saying, I'm, I'm not ready, then the push there is to ask yourself, what is holding you back from being ready and to examine that because there's always there's always something more that is maybe difficult for us to see until the question is asked of us so you know if if you are hitting if you are hitting a block in the road don't just accept the block because it's there question it ask, how did it get there? Why did it get there? What, what might be the process to move out of the way? How do I get around it, you know, or go over it? So it's really just um, continuing to push those questions um, that are eventually going to lead you down the path of this um, self-awareness almost, you know, because eventually a lot of those blocks, if they are internal blocks and not physical blocks, um, it's, it's the distinguishing factor, which I like to call uh, limiting beliefs and fixed limitations. 
fixed limitations are things that regardless of what they are, there is no way we can change it we can change it. The weather is the, is the greatest way, you know, we cannot change when it rains, but limiting belief, if you, you know, you don't want to go out in the rain because you don't like the rain, but you can't change the rain. So what are you going to change so that you don't get wet? Exactly. You know? And so, uh, that's, that's really that, that line of thinking, just continue to push, push, question yourself. It's okay to question your thoughts because the thoughts we tell ourselves are often from all the conditioning and the outside sources and everything that we've heard our whole lives uh, that could be building that barrier. But we again have the power to break that down just because we've heard it our whole lives doesn't make it true. And I, I love how you said that and how you talked about things that we can't change. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and the weather for many of us, especially this time of year, mm-hmm. um, if, you know, we live in the North or the Northeast, uh, temperatures are getting colder. It's getting dark earlier. Um, and I know in past years, I would get seasonal depression. Okay. And I allowed myself to, because it was a thing. All right. And last year, um, as we were sort of, you know, thought we were coming out of COVID, um, I decided not to think about the nights getting, you know, longer, uh, it being cold and therefore I don't want to go out. Instead, what I did was I looked forward Okay. For each long day of darkness, there is, it's getting closer to more light. Mm-hmm. Every cold snap is getting closer to it being warmer. Um, and then I thought about the things that I could do out in the cold. Um, and so I didn't have to do it all. It didn't mean I had to go ice skating or build a snowman or anything like that, but I could figure out what I could do. And I'm hoping our listeners under understand that analogy because we're going into the holidays now. And some of us may be lucky enough to be with friends and family. There's still maybe many of us who aren't going to be able to get out and about. And we can still make it a good time of year. Okay. But we have to go deep inside and say, What's going to make me happy? I can't depend on anybody else. Absolutely. So give us just a real short um, update how you are doing physically. Yes. Thank you for asking. Um, So since that day, I actually, um, I transitioned to rehab and took my first steps on my 29th birthday. Oh, wow. Which was a birthday gift that I never expected. I don't know that I'll ever get a better one. Um, so since then I have actually become a runner, which is very interesting because prior to, and I know I spoke on my health journey before I was very much a lifter, um, in the gym, lifting heavy weights, um, doing a lot of weight training. And I still do that because the balance is important, but running has become my euphoria. 
when I tell you it started out with me, you know, trying, trying to walk around the block. And I remember the first time I uh, tried to go for a run, I might've lasted about a 10th of a mile and I had to sit. So it was a real long, extensive um, growth process. Um, but since then um, I have run, um, I did uh, my own half marathon since this all happened within COVID, but I did my own half marathon, the first one I've ever done, uh, three months after recovery. So I really, in prior to, I had never even run more than I want to say five miles and five was tough for me, but everything changed. And this also shows how much our mind and our body are connected because now, you know, for those who have seen Forrest Gump, I mean, I, (laughs) I really could just keep running. And for me, it really is a mental process. Now when I run, I'm thinking about how proud I am of my body, how incredible it's doing, how much power it has and power it holds. And I just continue to push it in, in that way, just keep pushing forward. And I find that really it's, it's almost never the physical fatigue. Um, so far, the, the farthest I would like to do a marathon, um, I've done 19.2 miles is the farthest I've gone so far. Um, where I actually finally started to feel physical fatigue, but (laughs) usually it's just the mental fatigue, which is, which is so interesting um, for me to learn because it used to be when I would go out for a run, I'd say, I hate this. I hate (laughs) doing this. I hate it so much. You can ask anyone. And now since I love the idea of it, I love, you know, the, the whole all encompassing, um, idea of what running proves to myself daily. I had that mindset shift and I, I can go for miles and miles a day. So, uh, I'm an avid runner now. I have not had an incident since, um, I'm now 30 years old. So I've kind of brought you on my life, uh, my life through the years at that time, but yeah, I'm in, peak physical performance again. Um, and I hope to stay that way, but my, that's just a hope and I'm ready for, for what the world throws at me next. So tell our listeners how they can find you and how they can find your podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So, um, there's a few ways you can find me. Uh, the podcast came out of this whole journey. Um, the podcast is Brie undeniably B R I U N D E N I A B L Y. And, um, you can also find, use that, uh, is my website where you can see all the different counseling and consultation services I have. You can also find me on all of my social sources. I'm most active on Instagram, but on Instagram, it's going to be at Brie underscore undeniably. Um, anywhere you look up Brie undeniably, you're going to find my sources. So um, I, I look forward to connecting with your listeners as well. Wonderful. And we're going to put that all in the show notes. So there's no excuse if you mm-hmm. didn't catch it all right away. Um, it will be there in writing. And Brie, I can't thank you enough for sharing your journey. Um, and to all of our listeners, you know, it's okay initially, maybe to ask why me, because as soon as you ask why me, you can start finding answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, those answers are difficult to find as Brie and her doctors 
figure it out. But you know what? Um, if you're not trying to become aware and learn, then you're going to become stagnant. And that's okay. not what life is about. So again, thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Happy holidays to you. And uh, keep running. Okay. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Uh, everyone listening, don't be afraid to buy into the possibility of you. Thank you again. Thank you, Bree. Bye-bye now.